let's just call them beautiful questions because they, they're doing something beautiful. They're inviting another person into being an expression. Um, they're not about the asker. They're a question phrase to invite presence and expression out of another person. And that is really beautiful. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are creating their legacies and contributing to the common good. Your legacy is your unique contribution, could be big or small, and creating a legacy is one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and energy. And Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And our lovely music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about her on judybanker.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, usually I have my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, but he's on a a doggy play date right now, so I'm uh, running solo. We have a great interview for you today. It's super relevant. Caring for elderly, caring for the elderly during this pandemic has certainly had its own set of challenges. And for those of you who are experiencing caretaking with folks with dementia, loved ones uh, with Alzheimer's, it's an especially difficult time for both the elder and their loved ones. And as we know, many are isolated at home or nursing homes or segregated in elder care facilities, making the final years of life feel lonely and devoid of meaning. To avoid elder sense of aloneness, Dr. Anne Basting, am I pronouncing that right? It's basting like a turkey. Okay. (laughs) Um, Author of the brand new book, and when I say brand new book, I really mean it, Creative Care, A Revolutionary Approach to Dementia and Elder Care. She's developed a radical approach that engages the elderly by using imagination and creativity to help bridge the communication void and bring loved ones back to one another. We're going to talk about this, the details of this, and it is nothing short short of magical. Rooted in 25 years of research, Basting is going to give us tips today and methods to help stimulate your loved one's brain and awaken the imagination to add wonder and awe to the patient's daily lives and provide them a means of connection. And also, I think this is a reciprocal kind of experience where both uh, the elder and the uh, and the patient, uh, the um, loved one is getting some really lovely benefits. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thanks so much. It's a joy to be here. I wanted just to start with um, maybe the obvious question, but what brought you to this work? Why, why study the experience of elders? You know, I, uh, I, um, 
get that question a lot, especially because I came to this work in my 20s. Uh -huh. <laughs> and people always say, you know, why <laughs> would you want to do this? You know, um, and I tell them I'm doing this work so no one thinks it's weird. It's where I can tell people that it's joyful work to do and that young people would be drawn to it without needing a reason. But I think I think my reason really was that I, I found the arts to be and creativity to be a lifesaver for me. Um, when when I was young and um, didn't didn't have a lot of friends and classic middle school situations, you know, mm -hmm. I I really found solace in in art and art making and that power. I think as I got older and had older friendships, people friendships with people older than me, I found it as a way we could connect. Um, and the whole first section of the book is actually stories about that discovery. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when did you realize you had something really new? I mean, you, the way you approach relationships with elders is unlike any conventional kind of protocol that that we're used to hearing about. You talk in your book about it's not about correcting them and saying no, it's actually about saying yes. How did you discover? Do you remember the moment you said, wait a minute, this is this is something that I want to try some more? Um, I, something's different, something's new and good here. It really was a very specific moment when I was, I found myself volunteering in a locked Alzheimer's unit of a, a pretty terrible nursing home, mm. <laughs> what we now consider a really sort of a nightmare, if you conjured up a nightmare version of a nursing home. Um, and I was, with the uh, smell. Oh, the yeah. smells and the alarms going off and people really you know, over-medicated and sort of comatose looking and... The nightmare, the, the what nightmare. we're all afraid of. Exactly. That, you know, never put me in a nursing home kind of a place. Mm -hmm. And I was there volunteering to try to figure out how to adapt theater techniques to see if they could benefit people with Alzheimer's. And um, this was... 1996, a long, <laughs> long time ago, a whole world away. And at that point, everything was about reminiscence. Everything was trying to trigger memory. And so I was doing that week after week after week and really sort of not having any impact. <laughs> no one, you know, occasionally someone would raise a head and smile at me with pity, but it was really, there was very no little connection at all, little spark, no, no sparks whatsoever. Um, and, and then one day I decided, you know, let's just make it up. Let's stop. <laughs> Why would I go to memory for people who have memory problems? Yes. Yes. I, you know, it's not a successful approach. It's it's asking them to reveal their losses, uh -huh. which can be humiliating. And um, so I I just tore a picture out of a magazine, and um, it happened to be the an iconic picture of a cowboy from the the Marlboro ad, and I brought in a kind of a a newsprint pad, a big big pad, and I just said, all right. I will write down anything you say. Let's just make this up. 
anything and I'll write it down. You were both miserable at that yeah, point. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds it was, like there was this this level of desperation. It's in like, like this or nothing, right? <laughs> so, so I um, I said, "What do you want to call him?" And uh, someone said, "Fred." So it, I thought, "Oh my God, that's that's the most response I've had for six weeks." Fred, who Fred Astaire. And um, I mean, I could tell you it was a 45 minute story that unfolded and I could tell you the whole thing. And it was in 1996. That's how powerful it was. And were you aware as you were writing it down? And it turns out to be a very funny story. And it turns out to be uh, just this beautiful sort of experience where they're rolling with it. Were you, was there any part of you that was thinking, I'm, I'm on to something? I, I think I was just in shock. And I think I, you know, my career has been, I walked out of that nursing home that day with this story that was beautiful and funny. And I mean, also had nonsensical elements, but that didn't matter. You know, it, what mattered was the joy that was captured in it and the expression and the, the how much, how hard people tried. And um, so I, I just thought, well, I have to just do this over and over again. I can't, I can't, I can't do anything else now. You can't go back. No, no. So, and how, so I've spent basically 25 plus years trying to see how I could get this, first of all, to let people know this works. It's, it's, break it down into core elements, let people know it works, that it's joyful, that you can connect, you can learn to communicate emotionally and that, um, and then to to wrap research around it to see what's actually happening, and then just train people as much as possible. That's that's really been Mike. Sounds silly when I say it like that, but that's really been my career. Well, not so silly. Um, after you won the uh, MacArthur Genius Award, I think some people would have a hard time <laughs> saying it's silly. How did that come about? How did you? How did your work? Uh, uh, win an award, I guess I should say. What part of it were they so uh, impressed with? Well, I think, I think, I mean, I don't know because it's a very secret thing. You don't apply for it. You don't. Oh. <laughs> you don't. They, it just falls on you from a phone call out of the blue. So, oh my goodness. Um, but I think what what they've said is, I you know, I did about ten years ago. I started shifting. Because I, I clearly these interpersonal communication techniques work for individuals, but then the question became, what if you, what if you taught a whole care system, like a whole nursing home? You scaled it. What if you could scale it and put it into a system? Mm -hmm. How would that change the way we understand care? How would that change sort of the larger scope of things? So I started doing these large scale projects. Um, over time, where it's still the core technique, um, but say one project was called the Penelope Project, and the whole third section of the book talks about all these projects, um, where for two years we reimagined Homer's Odyssey mm -hmm. um, from the perspective of Penelope, the, the who I call the hero who never left home. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, then all of these workshops, these creative workshops, which can involve poetry and movement and, you know, art making and storytelling, any, anything culminated in the creation of a professionally produced play 
that we staged site specifically in the care home across independent living, assisted living, um, adult day, and skilled care. So it just totally transformed the place. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's what I, that's the word that just comes to me as I think about your work, as I, you know, looked, um, looked on the uh, videos of the work, it's transformational. Yeah, it, it really is. And if you think about, you know, I've put a lot of thought into this trying to figure out what, what is it that's happening? And I, I, I asked some historian friends, I was like, why are the arts and culture sectors, when did this happen that arts and culture is over here and health and social services are over there? And they mix a little bit like in art therapy, but it's still very specific to a health condition. It's not the same thing. We're starting to merge together with talk of wellness and holistic medicine and things like that. But really, the ultimate goal, I think, is to bring those two things back together so that meaning making and feeling beauty as part of your daily life is back in health settings. It, mm-hmm. there, there was a false separation like back at the, in the late 1900s. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's, or the 1800s, I think it's time that we really start pushing for them to, to come back together. And I think that's what's happening. Mm. You have meaning making and beauty and joy and, the, and all the way to the end of life. You don't have to stop. So you're talking about what makes for a quality life. Yeah. Not just that your organs are running. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're digesting your food, but what makes humans human? Exactly. And I think, I think what happened, too, in long-term care is that long-term care got built on the hospital model, which is transitory. You're not meant to stay there for very long. And so they could get away with not attending to your psychosocial, mm-hmm. spiritual wellness, you know, full being wellness. They, they were just trying to fix the organs. <laughs> <laughs> and then long-term care got built on that model and but people are living there for a really long time and now you know now they're isolated there so um i think that's the real breach um and and people are i think there's an increasing sense of isolation and loneliness before covid for people in late life trying to stay at home um and the system's in friendships can kind of erode and, and not serve them anymore. Um, and so we've got work to do just to reach people living at home as well. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. 
I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Pros, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. Now back to the show. You know, what that uh, makes me think of is that one of the elements of your I guess, system, for lack of a better word, is this idea of beautiful questions, right? And even the description of that is unscientific, right? (laughs) It's just about beauty. You're not saying effective questions, interesting questions, productive questions. You're really calling this something that is not it's not typical to hear a descriptor like that when you kind of enter the world of caretaking elders. Well, I, I used to call them open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. And then after, God knows, 15 years of training people to do this and realizing that that, that was the hardest thing for people to do. And this, this, anyone can learn this approach, right? I mean, you can learn this as a communication technique. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's deceptively simple. But the beautiful questions were always the sticking point or the open-ended questions when I called them that. And I realized that there's an art to asking questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I'm, let's just call them beautiful questions because they, they're doing something beautiful. They're inviting another person into being an expression. Um, They're not about the asker. They're a question phrase to invite presence and expression out of another person. And that is really beautiful. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, There's essentially sort of a shared path of discovery, um, opening curiosity uh, so that you're you're kind of enchanting the moment with the oh question. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful description. So I'm sure some of our listeners have not read your book. <laughs> Time yeah. to give us some examples of uh, beautiful sure. questions. Sure. Well, I can give you the four uh, or at least three because I forgot the fourth one this morning. Um, uh, the questions that we in response to the COVID moment, we printed, we worked with a, a design firm out of Detroit to print four postcards um, that had beautiful questions on them. And then on the back, here's my answer. What's your answer? And then you could have, we sent them out to long-term care facilities across the country so that they could 
give them to people who are isolated in their rooms, and then they could send them to fa- share them with family. Oh. Um, so those beautiful questions were, what what makes you laugh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's the most beautiful sound in the world? Um, what if you could fly anywhere right now? You know, lift your arms and just fly. Where would you go? Um, and that one emerged out of another chapter from the book is about my most recent project in Kentucky, where for two years we reimagined the story of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. And that question was core to that entire project. Mm-hmm. And so these are questions I'm sure you had to sift through. There's a lot of beautiful questions and you they're in your book as well um, as your website. Why, why these in particular? Was there something special about these that you wanted to focus on? I think when we when we frame beautiful questions, um, and you're right, timeslips.org is um, the nonprofit, the website of the nonprofit that I started to share all this work. And there's a whole creativity center that's free, mm-hmm. and there's a whole section with just beautiful questions on it. Um, we frame them as a way to tap, invite people to express their strength instead of focusing on losses. Um, and to and that builds resilience. So that's a that's one uh, measure of the impact is building resi- resilience. Um, we also invite people to look around their surroundings and look at them a little differently, um, and to tap into positive emotions um, and senses. So that's really that's really it's. Sounds simple, but, you know, they can be kind of challenging to come up with. Mm -hmm. And so uh, could you give our listeners an idea of where to start so they are uh, caring for elders in one way or another, as many, many people are? So this idea of connecting with your elder in in a way that's not about memory, that's not about... um, even current events or anything, but just this sort of imagination, this building a story together, I guess. Where would where would one start if they've never done this before and it's been much more what, what we're used to, you know, more conventional uh, kind of conversation, maybe correcting an elder if they didn't uh, use the the word correctly, or they they can't find the word. What's the first step? I think um, uh, you know. First, let me say that it's a it's a really challenging thing, uh, especially for family members, because you are the person with dementia may or may not know what they're forgetting, mm-hmm. and the caregiver holds all of that memory of the losses. They can see all of it. And and it and it's painful. You know, it's hard to go through. And so the the noble and understandable impulse is to try to rebuild the person's memory for them to to have that be the bridge um, to that person. Um, no I'm if if the person might miss like say my mother might might misidentify me and and call me her mother. Um, because I'm caring for her and, and she might get confused. And I, rather than say, 
I'm not your mother. Mm -hmm. I'm your daughter. Mm -hmm. I was born in, you know, these rebuilding the bricks of her memory for her, which won't stay. You know, (laughs) it's a it's a chronic debilitating process. It's going to keep going. Um, I just shift around it and say, tell me about your mother. What stories do you have? How did she make you feel? What when you think of her, what do you think of? And so it's it's a real moment of pause, accepting where my mom is right now, mm-hmm. and then trying to walk around the correction to connect with her where she is emotionally, mm-hmm. um, instead of instead of fighting it. Um, I guess is is the main thing, and that's the core tenet of yes and of improvisation, mm-hmm. of accepting everything that's given to you in a given moment. First of all, observing everything. You know what is the emotional intent of the expression? What what are they saying? What are they feeling? Um, and then accepting it and adding to it in a positive way, mm-hmm. figuring out how to draw her out positively. It's a thoughtful process. Um, I, I, I'm wondering if it feels for the caretaker easier or maybe even more difficult because you have to be gentle, you have to be thoughtful and, and, and very intentional. And I'm wondering how it's experienced by the care um the the person who's the the caregiver well i think i think the um over the years we've seen a lot of people learn it and the release of stress from fighting Mm -hmm. the disease Mm -hmm. and from also the the nurturing of the shared creative process makes it worthwhile continuing to practice to get to, to make it second nature. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, the story of a gentleman that I, I tell in the book. Um, he was a retired surgeon and came to one of my trainings. He was caring for his wife at home. Um, and in the middle of the training, when I was going over this yes and and the beautiful questions, and he got this funny look on his face, and I, I asked him if he was okay. And he said, I'm just realizing that I've been driving my wife crazy for two years by correcting everything she said. And I don't have to do that. So I, I think that the relief of that, um, he talked then about learning this approach where if she couldn't, if Carolyn couldn't come up with uh, the name of something, you know, pass me the say it was the ketchup or something at dinner, um, he would say, what do you want to call it? Mm. <laughs> Let's make up a name for it. it, it who cares what it's called, That's right? right. Like, so it just it's just joyful and playful mm. rather than reminding us at every moment of the losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm I'm curious about how this has changed your relationship with non-elders if it has indeed. But, you know, you're entering a whole different world. You're you're 
coming to relationships in a very different way. Do you see a ripple effect in your relationship with your peers or even younger people who, uh, who are in your circle? Oh, for sure. Well, first of all, as a parent, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a crucial technique um and i really have come to think it's a this approach really is and should just be poured into the water of relationships and, and care in general um it's so affirmative and playful and joyful i mean sometimes you you just have to get stuff done and it, it, when you're in that mode um, that's when conflict can come up, um, as we know from parenting or caregiving. Um, but I'm also a teacher. I'm a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and my, um, my teaching has improved from this. This is how I teach. You know, I'll ask a question, and, and I'll repeat everything. I'll echo everything that they're saying and, and sort of help them shape their own responses and thoughts. Um, that's just good teaching, I think. So I, I feel better and enriched for the whole experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just thinking about it as a psychotherapist and, and what a bonding experience it must be because you are creating something new together. And it's, it, it's a rich experience that the two of you share that's completely unique and it didn't exist, you know, 15 minutes ago. And I just think about how uh, intimacy might be really cultivated by this approach. I, I think that's right. And I think that's also part of the superpower of this approach particularly for, um, I mean, I, my specific situation in working with people with dementia is that people assume that all experience making and meaning making is done. Um, and sometimes <laughs> there's 10 years left, you know, that's really painful. And so to realize that together you can make new things and have new experiences and, and, create beauty that you can share with others. And even there's a couple chapters about becoming, using this approach to become involved in your community and benefit other people. You know, that's part of legacy building and, and meaning making. Mm -hmm. um, it opens that back up to people who thought it was taken away. Yeah, and it's hard to overstate <laughs> how profoundly important that is. I mean, you're giving people their life back. I, I think you're making a life. You're, you're giving them the tools to make the most of the life that they have to 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 make it thick with meaning and joy. Mm -hmm. And what is your legacy, Anne? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I don't quite feel I'm done yet. Um, I'm really glad to have been able to write this book because my earlier books were a little more academic and research-based, and I just felt like I needed a chance to get these ideas out um, through story and to his, a much larger audience. Um, and I, uh, the mission for the nonprofit is really to bring to infuse meaning and joy into late life in every care setting. So I, I'll be 
I'll be happy when that happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're we're trying to give our tools to the Meals on Wheels system okay. to offer training on, on community level, um, <clears throat> to train arts and culture organizations of how to partner and bridge with health and social services, to find a funding mechanism through social prescription to really finally link those two systems. Um, and to have young people, like I said at the very beginning, I think realize that they don't have to fear late life, that it's normal, that if they're if we're all lucky, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it can be a beautiful stage of life for you, for your family members, and also um, for a career choice. Um, there's there's great learning and and beauty there. And are you finding as your uh, uh, book has come out, although it's just come out, but are you finding that people are open to this or is there resistance because this is so new and such a different way of approaching uh, caregiving? I, I think there's definitely a hunger um, for this work. And I've, I've felt that for a long time, uh, actually, but now... I think there's kind of a cure fatigue um, around dementia that we've been told a cure is five years away mm. for 25 years. Oh. And, and I think we're like, all right, tell us how to, how to manage this disability. Tell us how to make our communities supportive so that we can manage this in our own lives. Help us advocate for legislative financial support for families trying to do this. Um, that's, I think there's a real turn in that. And I'm, I actually am hopeful from this moment of COVID that we're seeing how broken our long-term care system is. It is mm-hmm. broken. Mm. <laughs> Holy moly. Yes, it is. Oh. And, and I think that if there is a silver lining out of this moment, it's that we really we can push for changes that we can see that we need. I uh, I just want to tell you a little personal story about uh, the impact of your um, program. My husband is about to take his um, aged mom up to New Hampshire for probably the last time. This is a family camp. It's deeply meaningful for her, but she's just so frail. And it's a very long drive. It's it, it's eight hours if you don't have wow. to stop, you know, a yeah. lot. And uh, so when I was preparing for this interview and I was reading, I I talked to him about it and I wrote down some of these beautiful questions. So as they're driving, he's no. going to talk to her about, you know, what if if the if the if the camp had a name, what would it be? What is it like? What would that you said something about? What would the trees be saying uh, if they yeah. could talk? And they have a little beautiful uh, little babbling brook in front. And so, you know, on his way up, he's going to have some index cards uh, as prompts to talk about, you know, her life, what's important to her. And uh, so I just wanted to share that with you because it That's was great. an immediate uh, effect of just reading your book because they're leaving literally for the for the fourth of July weekend. And he's quite concerned about you know how it's going to go yeah, but it feels like he sure. wants to give this to her because it is very likely the last time she'll be seeing this camp so yeah uh, I would also say you know, there's a 
um, singing is fantastic. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And singing in the car is great. Um, and and I there's the whole chapter of um, just having just waiting for the answers to come out too because. Um, there's, I don't know if you remember the chapter on, on Bill, um, uh, who had a lot of difficulty speaking, but I would ask him these beautiful questions and the story would come out so slowly, but I would just affirm and echo all the way along. And we just arrived at such a beautiful place. So sometimes it takes a little bit of extra patience, um, to get there, but, you know, it's worth the wait. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. So where can um, our audience find out more about your program, about your work, and how to begin, and how to get involved with these, this beautiful initiative? Um, The the book's available any, any place you get books, um, pretretty much online these days. Mm -hmm. Um, the book website is, I have a, a author page, it's ann-basting.com. Okay. And, and then, of course, timeslips.org, mm-hmm. which just has a wealth of resources for folks, including a weekly email you can sign up for with all prompts um, to help uh, shape people's engagement for the week. So you don't, you don't have to even keep going back to the website. It'll come to you. <laughs> oh, how, how convenient. Yeah, well, I know. You don't have to put them on index cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then in the long run, following up on the book, Creative Care will be the Creative Care Imagination Kit, um, which Harper's also bringing out um, next year, which will be a beautifully designed little kit with 25 beautiful question cards and 25 image prompts, and then a beautiful journal that guides you through the process. Mm -hmm. So that'll be available for people next year. But for now, you can get all that on the website and just download things individually. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you so much for speaking with us today and, and, and offering this new approach that it just sounds like You know, the word transformational just keeps coming up for both people for for it's such a mutual experience. And it sounds so um, it's so powerful. I, I agree. (laughs) I've lived my life trying to bring it to as many people as needed. So Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for your deep understanding of it and sharing it with your audience. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a 
adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, And I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.